So the question of the day is whether we should be relieved or thrilled following the victory over the Seahawks on Sunday. Whatever the answer is, I know one thing. Someone should send a box of chocolates to Taysom Hill. And we're going to do that in our own way. Coming up on Datitude next. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the area, around the country, wherever you are. All my friends. I don't care where you are. But we know one thing. You probably still haven't found exactly the right way to say, thank you, Taysom Hill. That was um, interesting, huh? Let's talk about it on Datitude, episode number 101 for a Monday, October the 10th, 2022. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picayune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com. And of all the weeks, you know, D Squared is on vacation with his family in Florida, so he's not going to be on the show today. But if there were any morning to play it, it is most certainly this Monday morning. All aboard, all aboard the Taysom train, Conductor Dave is on the Taysom train. We are almost certainly on the Taysom train this morning. Conductor Dave's definitely on the Taysom train, but he's partying it up in Florida, so... We're going to have to be on the Taysom train without him. I mean, really? What the heck? Where would this team be right now without Taysom Hill? At least for yesterday. Coming up in just a minute or two, I will have Derry's Dime along with post-game interviews from Coach Dennis Allen. Taysom Hill himself and Cameron Jordan. Um, all interesting com you know, it was so weird to be in the in the uh press conference yesterday, around the press conference. I didn't go in the locker room. Um I got everything I needed from the the players they brought in the press conference. So I, I didn't go in the locker room this time, but you know, it was just it it was weird. It was a weird feeling in there. I'm not sure if it was joy or 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 relief. You know, when, when we said Sunday was a must-win, I, I suppose we innately knew it would come with a must-scare, too, right? You know, despite a brief moment early in the game, the Saints were the live favorite throughout the 39-32 victory over the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. But at one point, they dropped from 20-1 to 1 to win to 1.5-1, to 1, and it was in a matter of about 15 minutes of live time. During that time... There had to be more than a few dots, th- few who dots thinking, here we go again. But the defense did something it hadn't done a whole lot of. 
That was to get to Geno Smith at the end to put the victory away. And I say they, they hadn't done a whole lot of it because they just, you know, they did have three sacks, but it didn't feel like they could get to him at all. Felt like there was just making Geno Smith look like a really good quarterback. Was that victory enough for us to think the Saints are alive and back in this race? Like I said a few minutes ago, I'm not sure whether I saw more happiness for victory or relief in those post-game interviews yesterday at the Dome. It, it certainly was both. I'm not sure which one was more prevalent, but whatever. The Saints are two and three. One thing we know for a fact is the Saints have never made the playoffs or even had a winning record when starting a season one and four or worse. So don't let anybody tell you any differently. I know Duncan likes to make fun of me for this. Zach's made fun of me a couple times already. Sunday was 100% a must win. Now, it wasn't must win in the grand scheme of thing uh, grand schemes of things of life. I'll spit it out, I promise. But it was a must win if you have any inkling, any ideas of this Saints team going to the postseason or Better yet, winning those tickets that you all bought when the Saints for the over seven and a half, over eight, over eight and a half wins. Any chance you have to cash those tickets, the Saints had to win yesterday. So back to the question. Is this now the team we expected going into the 2022 season? Well, let's get into it with Derry's Don. Sunday most certainly was a day of the good, the bad, and the very ugly. The good was obvious. Not just Taysom Hill, but the Saints rushed for more yards than they had in any game since Christmas Day 2020. You remember that one. Alvin Kamara went off for 155 yards, six touchdowns against the Minnesota Vikings, and the black and gold put up 264 yards on the ground. In fact... It was just the eighth time, the eighth time since 1990. Think about that for a minute. The Saints has rushed for 235 yards or more in a single game. It was only the 24th time they had done it in franchise history. That being said, it was just the eighth time in the past five seasons they had allowed more than 150 yards rushing to an opponent. They did that all in the same game. The good, the bad, the very ugly. It was great the team turned a 10-3 deficit into a 17-10 advantage after the Seahawks punter decided, well, I don't know what he decided. He was just going to run around inside his own 15-yard line instead of kicking it away. Somebody told me that uh, he's a former Australian rules football player. So maybe he thought he was like in some kind of rugby scrum and he was going to drop kick it through. I don't know what he thought. Maybe Cam Jordan knew what he was thinking. Yeah, he was trying to give us the ball. And I think he did a phenomenal job in his assignment. I think our special teams did a great job of, of uh, collapsing that pocket and, and making a, a punter feel uncomfortable, which I, it's probably not hard to do. Well, I mean, if you say so. I mean, he was being funny, but, I mean, just think about how big that play was. 
because it wasn't so great that the Saints drove down the field just before the end of the half to put them in position to take a 10-point lead in the locker room, only to fumble it away and allow Geno Smith to go 50 yards in three plays and score a touchdown. So instead of Saints 20, Seahawks 10, it's now Seattle 19, New Orleans 17 at intermission. Well, they got behind us. Um, I don't think we played a couple of those. One at the end of the half, that's inexcusable. That can't happen. Um, uh, you know, and then the one there in the uh, you know fourth quarter um, to lock it. Um, you know, we really got kind of two doubles on that, um, and he just got on top of us. So uh, we got to work to clean that up. We'll look at the tape, see what we can do better. But um, you know. I look at the way we played defensively, and I'd say, but for about four or five plays, you know, um, it was pretty good. But yet, those four or five plays, um, you end up being basically, you know, 28 points uh, in the game. So those are things we got to clean up. Those are also things we'll get to later on in this dime. Because it, it was wonderful the defense recovered a fumble on the first play of the second half and scored six plays later when Chris Olave somehow held on to the football around a Seattle defender to make it 24-19. It was less than wonderful, though, that Olave suffered a concussion on the play and very well could be added to the walking wounded wide receiver list. Hudats were thrilled when they saw innovation from this offense on a Taysom Hill to Troutman 22-yard pass that made it 31-19 Saints. That was near the end of the third quarter, and that came after the defense had forced punts on three straight Seahawks possessions, including one that came shortly after an Andy Dalton interception. But you likely weren't so thrilled after those drives of three punts in a row. The Seattle offense scored 14 14 points in five plays, including a 40-yard scoring pass from Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, And then that was one play after a defensive pass interference on Marshawn Lattimore, which again was followed by a 69-yard run by rookie Kenneth Walker that gave the Seahawks the lead back with 6.54 left. What were Hudats thinking then? But thankfully, Taysom was able to blow past the leaking faucet known as the Seattle defense and race 60 yards for a final touchdown that gave him 112 rushing yards in the day to go with Alvin Kamara's 103 on 23 carries. And then the victory was sealed by Cam Jordan's sack on the Seattle Seahawks' final drive. All these things, good, bad, and ugly. But still the main question is, where would the Saints be today without yesterday's performance from Taysom Hill? If Taysom Hill hadn't played... I mean, he, he missed two games this season already. Will the Saints be 1-4 and four today? That is the question. And it's a good one. I mean, Taysom Hill's not going to tell you whether he thinks the Saints would be 1-4 and four or not. He's a pretty modest dude. But overall, it's still nice to hear what he thought of his day. I mean, look, I think every week is a little bit different. And, you know, Jameis has been a little banged up. And so that kind of limited me in, in what... I think the plan was supposed to be at the start of the season. Um, and so, look, I, I think every week I, I just I go in and, 
and I prepare for, for what I'm going to be asked to do. And um, I think this is just, it's a, it's a fluid deal. Um, and I, I think I anticipate it being that way for the rest, for, for the rest of at least this season. I mean, man, it, it's, it's so much fun when, when you get opportunities with your teammates, right? The, those are the moments that you remember. Those are the moments you cherish when, when you can make a play and you see your teammates come and celebrate with you. That, that's, that's what it's all about. Um, so, and, you know, football's a lot more fun when you're making plays and, and you're winning football games. And that was just, that was just, that was that, you know, uh, had a lot of fun today. What is the schedule like for you as far as? I I don't know. I mean, look. I think statistically, I, I, it's probably probably one of my best games I've, I've ever ever had in the NFL. You think? Yeah, I think it was one of the best games you've ever ever had in the NFL. I think there's no question. You know, all that's well and good, but I'm not sure how much better I feel today about the Saints' chances to make something out of this season than I did yesterday at 11.58 a.m. You know, at times, both the offense and defensive lines were, were ravaged with holes so big, I'm not sure Grandma Walton could sew them up. The wide receiving core is doing his best 2021 imitation. They continue to help fill the injury report. Although there is a rumor Michael Thomas will be back next week for the Bengals, I'll believe that when I see it. You know, I get get that Geno Smith has played well above his head all season. But if you're making him look that good, 16 to 25 for 268 yards and three touchdowns, what is Joe Burrow going to do next week? If one of the worst pass defenses in the league is able to hold Andy Dalton 187 yards and a 86.6 passer rating, what will the Rams and 49ers do to either he or Jameis next month? But it sure was nice to the other, that the other side was blaming the refs this time. Including, I don't know if you, heard, if you saw this or heard this, but Seahawks wide receiver Tyler Lockett, who said, quote, man, it was so hard for us to even get a flag in that game. It was ridiculous. The Saints got all the calls. They were so lucky. We just can't put the game in the ref's hands, unquote. By the way, do we hear how, how silly that sounds? It doesn't sound any less silly when your buddy or your Facebook friend says it. It sounds the same exact way. I'd, look, I, I'd like to think that this is the game that can right the ship. I'd like... To think, like most of the other seasons the past 16 years, once a losing streak was snapped, a nice little winning streak would ensue. I'd like to think that the defense can figure out how to fix the problems they incurred yesterday. I'd like to think that the offense can play consistently and win even without big plays. I'd like to think that Pete Carmichael is more the offensive coordinator we have seen the past seven quarters and not the one he was the first 13. I'd like to think Dennis Allen is beginning to get that solid footing underneath him and that he will sound as confident the rest of the season as he sounded on Sunday afternoon. Look, excited about winning a game. Um, I thought our guys came out and competed all the way to the end. Um, I thought offensively we did some really good things in this game. 
you know, defensively, I think, you know, we've got to eliminate the, the, the big plays. That was the kind of the black eye on the, on the night in terms of uh, defensive football. Um, you know, but we won the third down battle. We were able to get off the field on third down defensively. Um, we converted on offense. And then I thought it was a great job by our offense getting us in that four-minute situation and ending the game. So uh, pleased with the win. Got a lot of things we've got to clean up, but uh, happy to win. You know, I'd like to think that Jameis Winston, if Jameis Winston does have to miss significant time, that Andy Dalton can play better than he played yesterday against a really bad defense. I'd like to think that this Saints team as a whole is closer to the one I thought they would be before week one than the one we all saw through the first four weeks. I'm just not sure that Sunday's performance is the one that's going to get me there. And that's my dime. It was a win for sure. I mean, you know, there were happy campers in the locker room, but again, was it relief or was it joy? It was probably both. But certainly no reason for celebration. It's a win. I mean, do we think good teams celebrate after every single win? I mean, they're happy. They're goofing around in a locker room. But are they celebrating after a win? I mean, maybe if they're, you know, if... Buffalo plays the Chiefs next week and they win in the last second after. Yeah, they're going to celebrate. Baltimore last night, get a last second field goal from Justin Tucker against the team you lost to twice last year and you had lost three in a row at home. You lost the first two this year after having big leads. Yeah, they probably celebrated a little bit. Those are cause for celebration, but good teams don't celebrate wins against the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, You just don't. It, so, I mean, yeah, it's a relief. It's, it's a reason to be happy. You can go through the week now smiling instead of frowning like you've been doing the last three weeks. But the Saints haven't really played a, a good game all year long. That's scary to think considering how many yards they rushed for yesterday and how many yards they, they gained just overall. But seriously, if you take out the big plays, the, huge, the two huge plays – that the Saints had Taysom Hill with the 60-yard run, Alvin Kamara with the 54-yard pass. I mean, it it was good, but it it wasn't fantastic. You take those two plays out, and the, the Saints have like 320 yards, which is okay. But it's to me, it's more scary about what they gave up. You can't give you can't give up 150 yards rushing and expect to win. You go through the annals of the the recent past of when the Saints give up 150 yards rushing. And there's a lot of L's in there. I mean, the last time they did it before Sunday, they did it in week one against Atlanta. You think the Saints felt good about that defensively? They felt good to win. That was a little lucky, don't you think? But you go back the the ones before that. They did it once last year against Philadelphia, lost. They did it twice in 2020 against Kansas City, lost. Against Philadelphia, lost. They did it in December of 2019 against San Francisco, lost 48-46. to You can go back at the time, Sean Payton era. They did it, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, six times, 2015 and 2016. Um, they had a six-game six, straight, six game 
losing streak when they gave up 150 yards or more. I mean, it's, it's, it's a common rationale. It's easy to see how it happens. In fact, remember those bad defensive spells that the Saints went through with the Rob Ryan and all that crap? From let's, let's look at this. From November of 2013 to September of 2016, well, they didn't do it again the rest of 2016 after September. But throughout that time, they allowed 150 yards or more rushing 14 times. You know how many times they won? Twice. They beat Atlanta and they beat Tampa Bay long before Tom Brady was even thinking about being a Buccaneer. So if they give up 150 yards or more rushing, they're going to lose way more times they're going to win. And that's what the Saints didn't have to worry about last year. It's one of the main reasons why they were able to have a winning season despite all the issues at quarterback, despite all the issues at wide receiver, because the defense was playing lights out. And for this team to have any chance to be another 9-win team, another 10-win team, a chance to win this division, because frankly, as poorly as Tampa Bay is playing right now, 9 wins might be enough to win this division if you beat them the next time. But nine wins is not going to be achievable if the defense doesn't start stepping up. Cam Jordan said as much. Every, every chance you have on this, on this wonderful field, on this game that we play uh, in the NFL, we've got 17 guaranteed opportunities. Each one becomes more and more increasingly important. We're trying to find a win, at it, whatever, whatever it takes. That WIT mentality is, is going to stick for a long time. So we didn't want to be one and two. We didn't want to be one and three. We can't be one and four. We have to find a way to win. We found a way to win today. Cam, I know you guys gave up more yards and more points than you would have liked, but talk about that last drive and the third down play and forcing Gianna to go backwards and I mean, does that kind of make up for some of the other things? I don't think it, it makes up for anything. I mean, the fact that we let one of those big gash runs happen and we've let them happen in the fourth quarter too many times, um, that can't, you can't make an excuse for that. I do love that it ended in a Kim Jordan sack, but that's just a personal situation. Um, I think that in terms of what our team wants to do, we, we have to tighten up some things. Uh, you can't let them score at the end of the half. You can't let them run a 60-yard touchdown in. And, I mean, granted, they're a good team. A lot of these are self-inflicting, and we have to clean that up ASAP. It was nice to see fun cam, and not the cam that we've seen the last three weeks in the locker room because it's not been fun cam. And you only can hope that it's going to happen. Look, this is the offense they're going to see next week is one that's going to come in Pretty ticked off after losing to their division rival. Coming in, Jamar Chase wasn't able to do anything last night. You know they're going to be looking to get set him free. Joe Burrow back on the dome turf. That we're going to be hearing hearing about that all week long. It's going to be a long. I mean, look, Cincinnati is going to come into this dome just as desperate as the Saints. They have the same record. Somebody is going to walk out of this dome at 3 and 3 and feeling a lot of relief again can it be the saints i'm not sure i'm not ready to make that prediction yet but i know this it's going to be tough it's going to be a lot tougher they're going to have to play a lot better football than they played on sunday against seattle cuz cincinnati is much i don't care that they're both 2 and 3 
Cincinnati is much better than Seattle. If Cincinnati played Seattle 17 times, Cincinnati would finish the season with probably a 12 and 5 record. Maybe 13 and 4. Cincinnati is that much better than Seattle. So the Saints are going to have to come up with their A game and I I think I think we're going to learn more about these Saints next week than we've learned maybe any other week so far this season. It was great to see them in week one find a way to win because that's what they did. They could have quit. They played terrible the first three quarters of that first game, found a way to win. They played terrible against Carolina and didn't find a way to win. They should have beat Tampa Bay, and the score will never show that. And they really found a way to lose. So you can go through the season and pick it with a fine-tooth comb, and you really you do that afterward. But all that matters now is that the Saints play better next week because they're going to have to. And 2-4 and four in the grand scheme of things isn't much better, and I haven't gone through the season-by-season season yet. I'll do that in my trends column this week. I haven't gone to, to look it up, but I would imagine that 2-4 and four and 1-4 and four are pretty close to the same thing when you're talking about what you want to accomplish for season-end goals. So it is imperative that the Saints play their best game of the year this week. I really thought they needed to beat either Minnesota or Cincinnati, and now you've lost to Minnesota, and you don't have really any wiggle room. You, you kind of have to get to 3-3 three and three because the schedule is getting to a place where you need to win. You get to you go on the road on a short week on a Thursday night against a running quarterback the week after that. The Lord knows the Saints don't play against running quarterbacks very well. They just don't. So they're going to have to win this game, go out to Arizona and try to get some confidence. I know Arizona's struggling, but look, they played a team that's now 5-0 and pretty darn well yesterday and had a chance to win the game. So they're playing better. So the next two weeks, Cincinnati, Arizona, and then you got Vegas and Baltimore coming into the dome. There is no easy week in the NFL, but really, if you look at the schedule, your easiest games this year are probably going to be Atlanta, Carolina, and Seattle, and maybe the Jets, but they're playing pretty good too. And Atlanta, you needed a, almost a miracle to win. Carolina, you lost. And Seattle, you held on. So the real teams are coming up. What are they going to do? I don't know. That's going to just about wrap it up for today because, you know, I don't want it to sound as negative as, I'm, as it probably is coming off. A win is a win. Like I said, the team was happy. I'm not sure which Saints team is, is going to be there this week. I'm not sure which Saints team we're going to see the rest of the year. I didn't hardly talk about the Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton stuff because, frankly, I don't think I need to. I mean, I think it was pretty clear yesterday. Andy Dalton's not as good as, as a lot of Saints fans who just hate Jameis Winston think he is. He's not bad. He's certainly better than anything the Saints had at quarterback last year, except for Jameis' first seven games. He's better than Taysom as a quarterback. I mean, Taysom's not a quarterback. Don't get in your head because Taysom had a great game that he's going to. Taysom's not a quarterback. That's not who he is. He doesn't. 
It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen ever again unless it's by necessity. So Andy Dalton did it did an okay job, but yesterday to me was proof that the Saints with a healthy Jameis are a much better football team. I don't know if they're going to get that though. I don't know where Jameis Winston is right now. But the point is, we don't know what this team is. I guess you take every week and you you be happy with what you have. And so today, I guess we're walking on sunshine because the Saints are two and three, and the season's not over. And they got the must win they needed to get. Will they get another one this week? I mean, I know no one's going to let me call this week. No one of my n- none of my media friends anyway are going to let me call this a must win. But it's pretty darn close. I mean, don't you think two and four? Going to Arizona on a short week. It's pretty darn close to a must win. I guess it's not as much of a must win as this week was. So we'll just enjoy it. We'll walk on sunshine and we'll come back later in the week and we'll preview it all. Thursday, we'll be back with Uncle Big Nick doing our picks for the week. And, uh, you know, somebody I know had a fifth straight winning week against the spread. I'm not sure who it was, but um, he's pretty darn hot. You know, I mean, he was, I don't know what he was thinking, picking that that over in the Bengals-Ravens game last night. Otherwise, he'd have been 4-1 and one again. But, uh, hey, you got to follow those best bets. We're going to have fun with them, and we're going to keep on winning and trying to help you make money. So join us on Thursday for that. And then on Friday, it is live Datitude with Jeff Duncan, who will be with us once again as we preview the Saints and the Bengals and I'm sure talk about Joe Burrow and all that good stuff and Jamar Chase, that I'll be part of it. We hope you come back and join us. It's been a lot of fun. We will see you later in the week. Everybody, be safe, peace, and love, my friends. (laughs) 